So today, as we get going in our new home, I want to encourage us that we need to keep pressing on. For greater days are ahead. God has a plan. He had a plan to bring us here. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us, are feeling um, that, that stirring in the spiritual realm that God is up to something. And, and, and something, there's something more going on than just moving into a new building. We literally are moving into a new chapter. And so we need to stay faithful and to keep pressing on. We, we've, got to press, we've got to press into Jesus, and we've got to press on into the calling that he has for us as a church. There's going to be new opportunities for us. There's going to be new challenges for us. That's, that's fair. I wish we could say everything will be sweet and rosy, but, but we know there will be days. You might not like me on a certain day, and I might not like you, but somehow, someway, we're going to press on and press through. Amen? And so there are new new, new things ahead. God cannot be put into a box. He says in Isaiah, look, see, don't you see it? Don't you perceive it? I'm, I'm doing a new thing. I'm making a way in the desert. I'm going to provide a stream in the wasteland. We keep asking him for like a, a, a revival, but let's say, Lord, not like a revival we've seen before. We want a new fresh revival that it doesn't have to look or feel or, or be like you've done before. We just want you to do something fresh in us and through us. And if, if the kingdom of God needs anything, it's a sense of renewal. And we are a part of that. And here we are, that there's something going on much bigger and much deeper than just a brand new space and a brand new walls. The enemy is going to try his best. He's going to try to hinder us. He's going to try to disrupt us. He's going to try to do anything he can to, to, to mess us up and to get us off track. So we have got to be prepared to press on. We have got to keep fighting the good fight. Amen? And, and this is important. If God is for us, come on, who can be against us? We already know we win. And so let's act, let's, that, let's act like we're winners and move ahead in our victory that we have in Christ. Um, today I wanted to look at this passage, uh, if you put it up for me, Philippians chapter 3. Man, this screen is really big. We're, uh, there's going to be a screen back there, and so you're going to think it's going to be awesome because I'm going to be, like, looking this way. You think I'm going to have the whole Bible memorized. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Uh, but uh, we're not there yet, so I've got to turn around. Okay, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Press on. I just want to make a few, just a few quick points. And you know what I just realized now? 
There's no clock in here, and I don't have a sweet clue what time it is. Seriously. I I really don't. I I have no clue what time it is. What time is it? Okay, okay. Okay, as if that's going to matter. Okay, anyway, just say, I just did that for your benefit. Okay, there you go. But maybe we should put a clock up here somewhere, just saying. Anyway, um, I want to press on in spite of our past. I want to press on with the future in mind, and I want to press on to know him more. These three simple things is really... I think what Paul is, uh, is trying to uh, sort of encapsulate in these words. So first, to press on in spite of our past. Look at Philippians 3.13, just one more time. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past. Paul says, forget the past. So despite his own past failures, Paul wanted to press forward. And by the way, if you don't know, Paul had some pretty big past failures. He was a pretty terrible guy. He was a pretty nasty man. If you know any of his history, he persecuted Christians. He was even there helping to stone Stephen to death, who was the first Christian martyr ever. And Paul was there giving the okay for this death to occur. Paul arrested many people and did a lot of bad things. He could have carried a lot of guilt. He... He could have felt a lot of shame for the things in his past. But he's saying, I've got to move ahead. I've got to press on and move ahead in spite of the past. See, he realized that he was forgiven. He realized that he had been released from his guilt. And we can do the same. I just want to encourage us. We can do the same. If a new building helps you get a new start, then take it. It's like we use a new year as a new excuse for something to start new. But use a new building. Use this new chapter in your life to move on, to press on, and to press through whatever baggage you might have had in the past, whatever guilt you've suffered with, whatever baggage or dysfunction that you have struggled with. Our God is a God who saves. Amen? Our God is a God who delivers. Our God is a God who sets people free. So receive it today and let's move ahead despite our past. When you give your past failures to God and you let him heal whatever he needs to heal, like if God has forgiven you, isn't it about time you forgave yourself? Sometimes it's us who haven't forgiven ourselves. God's moved on by it a long time ago and we're still hanging on to things that Sorry, I'm laughing. Somebody's under the canopy. Anyway, I, this is weird. I'm seeing right out through the street. It's like awesome and weird at the same time. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so strange. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so give your past to him. Give your past failures to him. Look what, look what uh, John said in 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins to him, l- listen, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all wickedness. So if you're forgiven and you're cleansed, it's over. Amen? It's over. So you're free and move on and live in that freedom. Now, by the way, I want to just get this clear. When the Bible talks about forgetting, it doesn't mean that you fail to remember. It's, it's not like that. It, it actually, what it means, a, a better understanding is 
It means that you're no longer influenced by it. You're no longer affected by it. And that's a better understanding. Here's an example of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 16. It says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So God's not saying he, he, that, it, that he forgets in that sense. But what he's saying is, is that they no, longer, they no longer impact the way that you're viewed. Amen? They no, they no longer are a factor. I, it's like they didn't exist. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I know they existed, but it doesn't matter anymore. And he says they're forgotten. They're done. They're forgiven. They're, they're redeemed. They are changed. You are transformed. And, and you're done. And this is, this is the point. So when he says, forget the past, it's meaning don't get influenced by it. Don't get affected by it. Don't let it change who and what God wants you to be right now. God is saying, I no longer hold your sins against you. You're free from the power of the past, the condemnation of the past, the guilt of the past. So you get that. This is who we are. So not only do we need to forget our failures, But we also need to forget a little bit our successes. And let me explain. Again, biblical understanding of forget, meaning not to be overly influenced by or affected by. You know, and why would I say success? I was thinking about this this week because if you get too focused on the success that you've had in the past, it can hinder you from wanting to do more right now. You with me? You you understand? Like, you get complacent. You get apathetic. You start talking about all the glory days and all the wonderful things God did 20 years ago. And, oh, remember that time when he blessed me and I was at the youth camp or I was right there on the, on the stage or I was right here in my room or, or God filled me with his spirit or God healed me or God did great things. And everything's about what God did from a long time ago and not what God's doing now. And sometimes that past success, that past blessing can get stuck in our head and we get complacent. You know, in business, they say that the biggest threat to future success is past success. Did you know that? That's how business looks at it. One of the greatest dangers in business is to future success is past success. And that's why companies have to continually reinvent themselves Stay creative, stay on the edge, stay moving forward. Because if you stay there, the world is going to move past you. And soon and very soon, you're complacent, irrelevant, and no one's buying your product anymore. And so past success is a glorious thing. We remember it. We celebrate it in the spiritual of life, of course. I'm not telling you to put it aside because it guides us. It's our history and it's beautiful. But we can't let it overly influence or affect us right now. Are you with me? You understand? This is important as we get going, right? We can't live and remember the glory days. We're going to get stuck there. We have to press on and press in to what the Lord is doing now. The past is gone, and we're here now, and that's right now what counts. Look at uh, a fact. Paul, I just wanted to say this too. Paul had a lot of success, by the way. He didn't just have a bad past. He had an incredible, successful life. He, 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 was, he was the man in many regards. 
And he could have been influenced by all of his success, by all of his education, by all of his pedigree, but he wasn't. This is what he said in Philippians 3, just a few verses before uh, what we read earlier. He said this, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, and we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. See, here's my past success. Saying, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You see the passion that burns in this guy? He's saying, I'm not going to let my past hold me down with the guilt and the shame and all the nasty things I've done, but I'm also not going to rely on all the good things that have happened. I'm not going to say, you know, Paul was probably one of the most brilliant guys on the face of the planet. Brilliant. And he, does, he says, I'm not going to rely on that. I have to rely on God. I have to press into God. I have to know God more. He has this serious pedigree. He's a scholar, a Pharisee, trained by the best. But he says, he says compared to knowing Christ, it's garbage. That's what he says. In fact, it's, it, it, it actually is dung. It's, it's, it's trash, he says. It's not worth anything. So Paul didn't let his past failure or his past success stop him from pressing on. And so I encourage us today, as we said goodbye last week, and wasn't that a nice service, by the way? I really enjoyed that, and I so enjoyed the testimony. It was powerful. I, I, it was really powerful. And I'm thankful for all that he's done. We're here today, and I'm, I'm wanting to press on now. I want to see whatever anointing, whatever good things happened in that building or through our ministries, I want it to happen here, and I want it to double and triple. I want God to pour out in this place like he's never poured out before. We can't rest. We can't let our past success hold us back, and we can't let our past failure Anchor us so that we can't move and we're stuck. And so this is what Paul is encouraging us to do. You know, our personal history, I get that it's important and you need to learn from it for sure. But I was thinking, I was reading this thing and it just hit me. The guy was talking about driving. And he said, if if life is like driving a car, he said, most of the time you need to be looking out the big front windshield, right? Right? And every now and then, you need to glance, you know, into the small rearview mirror, right? Big out there, small back here. Use it as a life lesson that we look back and we remember, but our focus is straight ahead. It's big here and small here. 
We need to look back occasionally to keep ourselves out of trouble. But too much looking back will get you in trouble if you want to try to move ahead. Go ahead. Drive down Hoover looking this way. Go ahead. Try it. See how long that lasts. You know, it's going to get you in trouble. So listen, we need to use our past to guide us, right? Not like an anchor that holds us down. We learn from the past. We, we make peace with our past. We, we celebrate the past. And then we've got to let go of the past, the good and the bad, so that we can press on and press in to what God is doing now. And somebody said, yes, this is important for us. So we, we press on in spite of our past, our failure and our success. Second, we press on with the future in mind. Look at, uh, put up for me 13 and 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So Paul is picturing a sprinter, right? Straining forward to cross the finish line. Any of you, um, uh, any of you uh, run like when you were a kid, high school, running races, right? Mario? That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. When I... When I read that verse, I had a, I might have, I, I don't know if I told this story before or not, but I had this picture in my mind when I was reading this story of, in high school, uh, I was a sprinter, uh, I was fast, uh, key word is was, I, I, I was fast and I did a lot of running and um, it was my last race, I was in grade 12, I was just about, it was at the end of the year, it was a, it was a big meet, multiple schools, it was run at this big indoor facility, it was a big deal. And I had made the, the, uh, the 100 meter final. And there was a couple of people in the race who were favored to win, I was not favored to win, but you know me that I hate to lose, and so I was highly motivated to do well, and... Uh, and the, re- and the gun went off. And I, I honestly, I had this picture when I, when I was reading Philippians this week. Paul is picturing the sprinter straining forward to, to hit the line. So I'm in this race. The gun goes off. I get a great start. At about the 60-meter mark, I'm ahead. At the, about the 80-meter mark, I'm still ahead. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I started thinking too hard. And guess what the mistake that I made? I look back. And lost. I didn't lose, but I didn't win. Second is like kissing your sister. You know, like I want to win. You know, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was my attitude back then. I'm much more mature now. Yeah. They, I, I wanted to win. And I felt like I should have. And I made a tactical error with about 10 meters to go. And I should have won the race. And, and Paul is saying, you're, you're, you're a sprinter. You've got to press on, forgetting the past. Look ahead. Keep focused ahead. You've got to keep your eye on the prize. If you take your eye off the prize, you're going to waver. You're going to slow down. You're going to turn to the left or to the right. You've got to keep focused. 
You can't worry about what's behind you. You've got to lean into the race, and you've got to give it all you've got, keeping your eyes on the finish line. Heaven is our prize, everybody. And that's a pretty good prize. See, Paul said in Philippians 1, he said this, For me to live is Christ, you know this, and to die is right. So guess what Paul is saying? He's thinking future-minded. He's pressing on with the future in mind. He's saying, hey, for me to live is Christ. He goes on to say, if I live, it'll be good for you. But if I die, it'd be better for me. And, but he's, he's thinking and thinking and thinking always about the future in mind. That he's letting his past guide him, but not hold him down and say, I'm going to strain ahead so that I can win the race, so that I can collect the prize, that I can have the biggest impact, that I can make the most difference, that everything I do for the kingdom is not wasted, that God sees every little thing I do, and he's passionate about serving God, and he's into it. He's saying, listen, think ahead. Live with eternity on your mind, with what you do, with how you say, with, what, with how you speak to people, with how we treat people. Everything matters. This place This home, even this church, it's beautiful and and we're going to enjoy it greatly. But it's not our final home. We're just passing through, right? Someone said, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. And that's why they call it the present. Use the present to make an eternal difference in someone's life. We have got to press on keeping the eternal future of yourself and others in mind. This is pressing on with the future in mind. So, the way we press on, we're trying to make an impact on people when we're in restaurants, when we're in stores, when we're with our neighbors, when people come to our church, when people send their kids and ministries start to happen. Everything is with the future in mind. We're saying, come now, but yes, but, but God has a great life for you. And, and if you find him, heaven is your prize. And we're trying to hold on, not just to hold on to that prize ourselves, but we're trying to give it away. It's a gift that we're trying to give away to other people as well. Everything that's done for Christ is an investment for your future, by the way, and for the future of every person that you impact. So we press on with the future in mind. Follow Christ. Love him, serve him. We've got to keep the fire burning. We've got to want to know him more. That leads me to the last point. We press on in spite of our past. We press on with the future in mind. And last week, we press on to know him more. Look what Paul said in verse 10. He said, I I want to know Christ. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Now, the word, that, that word doesn't refer to head knowledge. He doesn't want to know more about Christ. He wants to know him. That, that word is used to describe how a parent and a child know each other. It's the same word that's used to describe how a husband and a wife know each other. It means, it means to know in the context of a relationship, to know intimately, to be 
to be, uh, to be growing closer to one another. Paul says, I want to know him like that. I, I want to be growing more like that. Paul had, Paul had the entire Old Testament memorized. He didn't need to know more about God. He needed to know Jesus. And he was passionate about finding him and, and knowing him more. And, and he says, I want to know him in two ways, which is interesting. He says, first he says, I want to know him in his resurrection power. And I want to know him in his suffering. So first he says, I, I want to know him in his resurrection power. This is, this is the one we get excited about that we like. I mean, think about how great resurrection power really is. I mean, honestly, you can't even wrap your head around. I'm, I'm sorry, I keep, I, I'm still learning how to keep turning my head. So I, I still love you people over here, but I have, feel like I haven't turned a, you know. I, it, it's so weird. I'm still getting used to everything. It's weird. I, Resurrection power. It's power that raises people from the dead. It's power that, that, that takes a soul and changes people. It's the power to literally transform somebody's life and literally raise people from the dead. It's the power, it has power to transform lives. It has power to forgive. It has power to set people free. It has power so that we can overcome. It has power to defeat the unseen world. It has power to help us love beyond human capacity. It has power to, and more power. There's no power like it. The, the earth has never seen it. Take the greatest atom bomb and blow it up and the, dismay, the displacement of power doesn't come close to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It's eternal and everlasting and never, never, never gets weak. It, it is always and forever will be. We could use that kind of power. See, when people are cruel, when... Your mood is dark when the prognosis is not good, when tragedy strikes, when the loss is so devastating. That's when we really need the resurrection power of Jesus. Paul wanted that power, and he knew the only way to get it was to develop his relationship with Christ, to know him better. For when I know him better, I want to know him in his resurrection power. And I want to know him better. And so the more I know him better, the more resurrection power is available to me. He then says, I also want to know him in his suffering. Now, uh, that's a whole other topic that we could get into another day. But think about, I was thinking just about suffering and Just trying to explain how I was thinking about it. Like everybody wants his resurrection power, but nobody wants his suffering. Let's just be honest, right? Like who, who wants that? Not me in particular. I'm sure not you. But this power can be ours. We can be people of victory because he's with us. Remember, David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, right? 
His power is available to those who want to know him more. But when he says, I want to know him in his suffering, I was thinking everybody wants his resurrection power, but nobody wants his sufferings. But Paul says, if you want to know Christ deeply, then you've got to be prepared to share in his suffering. That's what he says. Look at, look at Philippians 1.29. This verse, this verse should shake us. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Would you call that a privilege? He did. He did. Paul knew what it was like to suffer. You, you, I know many of you know his story. He was arrested multiple times, beaten, whipped, shipwrecked. You know, he, was, he even was given a thorn in the flesh and he begged God to take it away and God said, no, I'm not. I'm going to leave it with you. And through it, you're going to learn that my grace is enough for you. Paul was a man who knew what it was to suffer. He knew what it was to have nothing. He knew what it was to go through dark days where tragedy struck, where the loss was devastating. He knew knew that. And yet, here in Philippians, near the end of his life, he writes words like this. It's, it's, It's a privilege to trust in Christ, but it's also a privilege to suffer for him. I don't know how many of us could actually say those words, honestly. But he's one of the few that can. We have to understand this. And this is a bigger topic. We talk about it another day, but... There's a lot of suffering in this world. And believers are not exempt. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. So we know that it's going to come. But we have to press on. We have to let our pain and our challenges and our issues that come, we need to press on through them. We need to press on through them and find a way to let them draw us closer to Jesus and not push us away. Amen? See, when difficult times come, there's really two reactions that I've seen over the years that can happen. People either run towards him and say, I need your help. I'm not giving up. You're with me. I know you're with me. I know you can get get me through this. I need your resurrection power. I need your help. Or they run the other way and say, God's forgotten me. God's useless. God, you know, everything's bad. And and, and they, they lose. They lose something by running the wrong way. It happens. Paul said, let your pain drive you. Let it, let it see it as a way to, to drive you closer to Jesus. He says, I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you in your resurrection power and I want to know you in your suffering. This is what he said. It's crazy words. So, as we get started in our new home today, I just wanted to encourage us to press on. I want to encourage us to press on. We need to press on in spite of our past, the good and the bad of our past. We need to press on with the future, our own future and the future of others in mind. And we need to keep pressing on to know him more, even when times get tough. This is the calling that's on our lives. 
So if we're to experience all that God has in mind, we've got to stay on track. There are great days ahead, church. Amen? Do you, do you feel that too? Is it just me? Do you, do you feel that? That there, there are great days ahead. There are great days ahead for SPC. But we have to go after all that God has for us. We have to press on. We have to stop letting our baggage hold us down. We have to stop letting past success anchor us down. We have to keep the future of others and ourselves in mind as we press forward. And we have got to keep a fire burning in our soul to know Christ more. Not, to, not, not just to know more about him, but to know him more. This is the challenge for us today. So there are great days ahead. And I just want to encourage us. It's time for us to press on. As we open up a new chapter, let's press hard into Jesus. And let's see what he does. Let's see what great things happen in and through the ministry of this church. In and through the ministries of all of our lives collectively together. This is going to be awesome. There's over 200 people here today, so we probably have another 200 seats to go. God is going to use us to do something great. And I just want to encourage us all as we begin. Please, let's press on and let's not let anything hinder us or stop us from walking into everything that he has for us. Amen? Amen. Come on. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're uh, I'm just going to dismiss in a minute and uh, we're going to have coffee and cupcakes outside and please stay if you can. But before we do. As our response time today. Could I ask you to do this just personally, just where you, on the spot where you stand? Could you just recommit yourself to the Lord today? Would you just ask him to help you press on and to press through whatever issues have held you back? It's time to let it go. And it's time to press into a new beginning and a new future and a new day. This is a new season. All things are new. So take a minute and just ask him. Whatever you feel has been holding you back. Give it to him today. Just give it to him. If you're here today and you, you've never asked the Lord into your life, you don't know him personally, that's the first step you need to do. He's always wanting to be in relationship with you. It's up to you to welcome him in. It simply begins with you asking him honestly and sincerely. 
Just come into my life. Change me. Transform me. Make me a child of God. Forgive me and turn me into the man or woman you want me to be. You pray a simple prayer like that to begin. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. And only good things will come from that decision. That's what we call a good future decision. So if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I encourage you. We're going to dismiss, but would you, would you find somebody? Come and find me, one of the staff or someone that you know. If you, if you need to talk to somebody about Jesus, don't leave today without doing that. We are opening up this new church for the first time. And we're really thrilled about that. But you need to know what would thrill our soul even more. Is a new person. A new person who finds Jesus. That's way better than a building. That's an eternal choice. That it's yours to make. You have everything to gain. And you have nothing to lose.